our children's sermon time. So I'm going to ask our beginner kids, our youngest kids, to come on up. And they have some very special music they're going to share with you all. I hope you enjoy it. Come on up, kids.
Children, come on to me. Sapri, the little children, come on to me. And for Bertha, for this is the king, my heaven.
across the mic, but we could just go home for all I'm concerned because that was so beautiful. At this time, we're going to be collecting the lamb's offering for Christian education. So kids, if you will help me collect baskets, we will be going out and collecting um, our offering. And we still have some very special music coming up with John and Taya Hinkle.
with tears in his eyes. God looked down through time, saw him spat upon, rejected and mocked. Still he grew the trees that he Psalm 22nd, the Psalm of David. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the world of my groaning? Oh. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. All who see my mock, all who see me mock me, they make mouth at me, they wait their hands. He trusts in the Lord, they say, let the Lord rescue him, let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb, you made me trust you at my mother's breast. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. They open wide their mouth at me, like a ravening and rolling lion. I am poured out like water, 
my strength is dried up like a posset, and my tongue stick to my jaw. You lay me in the dust of death. I can count on all I can count all my bones they stare and gloat over me but you O oh lord do not be far off or you my help come quickly to my aid Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offering of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. From you come my praise in the great congregation. My vow I will perform before those who fear him. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May their hearts live forever. And all the end of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship before you. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before him shall bow all who go down shall bow all who go down the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. A little bit slight different because we print from uh, English Standard Version. Here come the Psalm 23. We all love that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me down in the green pastures. He leads me beside still he restore my soul. He leads me in path of righteousness for his name's sake. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And one more, Psalm the 24th. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and those who dwell therein. Who 
shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has seen him and a pure heart, who does not belong to him. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who Lift up your head, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. The kids have gone to children's church. Is it quieter now? <laughs> but the story is not over. Because you see, it begins with Abraham. It moves on to Isaac. It goes to Jacob. And these are names that we know from our childhood. We've heard the stories. I hope that if you don't know them, your homework this afternoon will be to go back to Genesis and read them because they're incredible stories of how God has interacted with humanity. God chose Abram. He made him wait a long time for his kids. You're being served. And no, it's not divorce papers. It is the bread of life. Please take and hold on to this. God chose to use a people on earth to bring the message of salvation by how you live. Today, my friends, we are the inheritors. We are the inheritors of this entire message. I, I struggled. I have so much that we could say, but in, in this very very special, special moment, we realize that the people of Israel went to Egypt. They were saved there. Do you remember the story of Joseph? But unfortunately, there was a Pharaoh who came up, the Bible says, who knew not Joseph, and all the people were put into slavery. 430 years later, my friends, 430 years later, God sent Moses. God sent Moses. It was not the time that Moses thought he would go. Remember? He grew up in Egypt. He grew up with that other prince. And as he grows up, he realizes God has called me to do a special work and then he goes and he uses the jujitsu that ha he had been taught in, in, in the Egyptian army. And he kills an Egyptian overlord and thinks that this will announce the fact that he is going to be the savior. Instead, he realizes that now he is a hunted man and off into the desert he goes. But then 40 years, 4-0, 40 years later, he comes back, this time with his brother Aaron, because he has learned that he is a man 
who cannot speak nearly as well as he thought he could. The ten plagues fall upon Egypt. And as the tenth plague decimates the population, not only of humankind, but also of animal kind. Read it. It's a very sad story. And the weeping and wailing began in Egypt that night. At that very self-same moment, the Israelites were instructed, be in your traveling clothes, be upstanding, and be eating your final supper in slavery, ready to go. Take that lamb, kill that lamb, and take its blood and put it on the doorposts. Put it on the doorposts of your house. This was to be the sign that this house and all that were inside that house. So when we talk about the house of the Lord, when you pray for your family and you put the blessing of God over your family, you are placing them in the house. That the blood would be on the doorposts so that there would be a sign between God and his people that they had accepted his salvation. The deliverer, the deliverer would come, and he had come in the form this time of Moses. Moses is a prefigurement, then Joshua, and then if you just change one vowel point in that name, you get Yeshua, Yoshua, and Yeshua. Yeshua takes the people over the river and into the land. Jesus comes along. This is kind of telling you a little bit of the next part of the story. Jesus comes along. Yeshua takes you over from slavery into freedom. From being oppressed into citizenship in his kingdom. When they had the doorpost slathered with the blood of the lamb on the top and on the sides as they were instructed, not knowing, not knowing why this was important. It prefigured, it, it signified what would happen later on with that same blood of the lamb. We heard the kids talking about what John said, John, Jesus' cousin, the Baptist this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Here the people of Israel are in their traveling clothes. They are ready to go. And they are putting blood on the doorposts of their houses. And they are eating roasted lamb. Not sitting down, but standing up ready to go. Amen. The blood of the Lamb that takes away the sin of the whole world. If you look the cross is, 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 is got red on it today. Traditionally speaking, on this weekend, because of Easter, there is, always, uh, uh, there is always black. Because on Sabbath, Jesus rested in the tomb. But on Thursday, he had Passover with his disciples. Please understand that what we call communion today is a reenactment of the Last Supper. And at that Last Supper, we know that Jesus was keeping 
Passover with his disciples, and he is saying, this is my body, this Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is my body. This is my blood. I was hoping today that in these few short moments, it's tough, that you can catch the incredible, eternal significance of the connection between Passover and what we call Easter. Between Passover, the number one Passover, and then the number two Passover. Because you see, with the thorns at the top and the nails on the side, you have blood on the doorposts. You have the cross upon which Jesus was hung. And didn't you hear John Hinkle sing? Didn't you hear Taya Hinkle sing? He made that tree. The God of creation made the tree upon which his son was hung for you and for me. This God knew that he needed a plan. He knew before he even made the world. Then he chooses a people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the 12 sons, and they go to Goshen, and they live, and they prosper, and then there is a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. And 430 years later, they are rescued. And as the tenth plague falls, the death angel passes over all of Egypt, including Goshen. And only those houses, only those houses that were daubed with the blood of the lamb were the houses where the firstborn, remember we had this little dedication this morning, wasn't that apropos? The firstborn died who had not been bought back by the blood of the Lamb, even up to and including the house of the Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that's just such a wave of agony that... that that it actually helps me to understand what we are going through now. Because as humanity, we are caught in that moment as well. My wife and I will, will have been studying, and I, and, and I will bring you some things in the future that, that I, I hope will just absolutely deepen your relationship with God. But here is a foretaste. He, he is is doing this because we are his children and they and we have been stolen from him. Our hearts have been stolen from the God who made us. And he would like us to come back and be part of him. And then, and then, as the, the kids sang also this morning, they sang the gospel message this morning, if you were really listening. They sang, and Linda was right. We could have just gone home because we'd already had church. All right? They sang the gospel, which is knowing that he passed over once. And then at the cross, he gives us the opportunity to have the death angel pass over again. Knowing this, my friends, we have a message to give to the world that is like no other. 
to say that the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament is the same God and that through the blood of the Lamb of God that takes away our sin and gives us the right to eternal life, not for anything that we have done ourselves, but because He gives it to us as a free gift. That's what this weekend is all about. That is what this weekend is all about. Jesus has Passover with his disciples and he takes the emblems that are in your hands right now. The matzah. And yes, uh, we tried to make sure that this was un unleavened Passover kosher matzah. There's all sorts of special rules and there's all sorts of special significance as to how things are prepared in the Jewish kitchen. And it's all symbolic of the fact that the matzah needs to be sinless. It has no salt. It has no yeast. Yeast is about change. You know, when you make bread, you put yeast in so that it will not be flat. You want to change its shape. Well, there's no yeast in, in matzah because it's supposed to be flat. It's supposed to be sinless. And then the matzah is pierced. And we as, 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 as Christians, we, we like to say he was, he was pierced for our transgressions. Do you know why the soldier? Why, 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 did, why did the soldier stick him in the ribs? Because he didn't believe he was dead. Did you hear? Did you hear John and Tia, Tia sing? Did you hear what they sang? No one killed him. Don't blame the Jews. Don't blame the Romans. They didn't kill Jesus. He gave up his life voluntarily. Love, the plan, it was there all along. God would give his life voluntarily for us. Love gave up his life on the cross. And then, and then, wait for it, wait for it, he rose! His own power! The angel comes down, the men fall dead, the guards at the tomb fall dead, he rolls away the stone and he says, thy father calls thee. Well, Jesus and the father are one. He called himself out of the tomb. Nobody wakened him. He rose because he is God. There would be no significance to the Passover if there wasn't a resurrection morning. There would be no significance to the Passover if there wasn't a Canaan, if there wasn't a heaven to which we are going. So my friends, as Bible-believing Christians today, as uh, dare, dare, I, dare I remind you, dare I remind you of the very specialness of Revelation 14, 7 once again, that we love to quote the first angel's message. Hey, everyone, look, pay attention to the God of creation. This is the God of Easter. This is the God of Passover. And here this weekend, 
we have an opportunity by you coming here and presenting your children and your families before God, you have an opportunity to say to God, I am willing to take this joyful, this wonderful, this exciting message of the fact that the death angel has passed over us as a family. As a family, we are going to heaven. That's what I told my children. You know that I've said this many times when I asked my daughter. I said, look, uh, you can marry anybody you want, but you have to marry a Jesus girl, Jesus boy. To my son, I said, a Jesus girl. Now, look, the reason I said that is because my family, I said, our family is going to heaven. That's where we're going. Have you made that decision? As a family? Are you, are you uh, instilling this in, into your children? That, that that's where we're headed. And while we're on this journey together, there are going to be some bumps. There are going to be some difficulties. But we know that it is the God of creation who is leading us and to whom we have given our hearts. Amen. You know, the temple that God wants to inhabit the most these days is not in Jerusalem on this earth. It's right here in your heart and mine. And your kids, same thing. So are you teaching them when you go, the Bible says when you go in and when you come out, when you stand up and when you sit down, are you teaching them this story? This is the story that you should be teaching them that the only houses that were safe that night were the houses that had the blood of the Lamb. The only way that you and I are safe for eternity Unless you don't want eternity. Okay. And there are millions of people who just don't care. But if you want eternity, then the blood of the Lamb has to be on the doorposts of your heart saying, I'm with him. I'm with him. And then the death angel will pass over and Revelation says, death and Hades will be cast into the fire that cleansing that is going to take place of this earth, which so many people look at and say, oh, it's going to be everlasting. It's going to be complete. Please understand that's my interpretation of everlasting. God is not going to burn people. Do you think he takes pleasure in any death? No. No. Because death is a separation from him. This entire story tells you that he is going to the absolute ends of the universe to make sure that you do not die. And then finally, as he cleanses the earth, he is going to throw death and he's going to throw hell into the fire. It's not going to happen anymore. There will not be that in this universe anymore. And we are told that harmony will be restored in the universe. That's what we're looking forward to. So do you have your traveling clothes on in your mind? Do you have your traveling clothes? You're not supposed to think that this world in which you live now is your final place of rest. People think, this world is not my home. I'm just a traveling through. I'm going to another place. 
No, my friends. God may take us to another place on a special thousand-year journey, but he's bringing us back here with the new Jerusalem, and he is going to recreate this world, and it's going to be back the way that he put it in the very beginning. I tell you what, that is not to be missed. I don't care what, whatever anyone else offers you. I'm telling you that God is offering you a world made new where you will never die. I don't know about you, but that's too good to miss. That's too good to pass up. And, and as you talk to your friends who are worried about the little tiny things in life, like whether or not they make enough money, whether or not they have the right ha whether or not these things, my friends, are all going to pass away. What is most important today is that the blood of Jesus is on the doorpost of your heart and that you have said, I am a Jesus girl, I am a Jesus boy, and there's nothing that is going to pry me away from Jesus. Amen. Take that matzah. Take, eat, Jesus says. This is my body. He wants to be in you. He wants to be part of you. And when, he, when you do this, you realize that this matzah is now going to be part of you on a cellular level. That's complete. There's not going to be a part of you that's not touched by what you're eating. I know it gets really sticky, so <laughs> take, take that cup. Jesus says, this is my blood. It was the cup, my friends, cup number four, okay? There were a number of times in the, in the special Passover service where they would take a cup and they would drink. And this was the cup, my friends, of redemption. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. When, when Amy, my friend and secretary Amy Hinkle brought the idea of John singing that song, He Made the Tree. I'm telling you, my, my mind just blew up. Because the entire plan of salvation, the whole thing from creation to now, comes into focus when you realize that it's the creator God on that tree that he made. I mean, it just blows my mind. There is not a thing that he has not done in order that we may have eternal life. So here we are. It is, yes, Shabbat, Sabbath. It is Passover. It began last night. And if you are a, a, a good Jewish person, you, you went to synagogue last night and you had a Passover Seder and you had the meal, all of which is symbolic of pieces of the story that we have just reviewed. And really, the only difference that we have with God-fearing Jews is the fact that they don't believe that Jesus fulfills the requirements to be the Mashiach, to be the Messiah. But we believe that he is the Messiah. And we believe that he fits because when we study just like they study, we say we believe. 
Now, don't think that it happens overnight. How many years was Paul in the desert after Damascus? Paul, this huge mind, this rabbi, he was in the desert three years. So if you are struggling today, my friends, if you, if you don't have all of your questions answered, you're in good company. Please do not, do not feel like anyone in this church, and I'm putting our members on notice, <laughs> that anyone in this church will condemn you as you are studying, as you are coming to faith in this Messiah. You need to study. Paul studied. And then he came to Jerusalem. Barnabas brings him to the disciples, and he says, you know what? I now believe that this person called Jesus Christ of Nazareth was the Messiah. And I will be forever ashamed that I was part of trying to stamp out his movement. And he spent the rest of his life, he spent the rest of his life telling people, he is the Messiah. Look at scripture. And he would tell it to the people in synagogues. And then he would tell it to the people in the streets. He would tell it to the Greeks. And he would tell it to the Jews. My friends, his legacy is now our legacy. We now need to grab a hold of the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and tell people, this God, this God, who sent his death angel, yes, some people want to say, oh, God never does anything. He sent his death angel to Egypt that night, and any household that did not have the blood of Jesus on the doorpost, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, their firstborn child died that night. Please understand, God is going to bring an end to the tyranny of the evil one in this world. It is going to happen. Star Wars is not the theology that I subscribe to. Reincarnation or some other, it's not the theology. I'm more a Narnia kind of guy. C.S. <laughs> Lewis has that famous phrase, my friends, the Lion of Judah, Aslan is on the move. And as the winter turns into spring and summer again, is that not good news? Is that not amazing news that we can share with our friends, with our co-workers, to say, he is risen. Aslan is on the move. Amen. He's been on the move, my friends, since he arose. Make no mistake, I am a firm believer that the end times began when Jesus arose from the grave. How do I know this? Because the Bible says that the evil one knows that his time is short. How long has he known that his time is short? Since Jesus rose from the grave and he knew that he was a loser. Right? So ever since then, he has been trying to mess with you and mess with me because all he wants to do is take you and me down with him because he knows he's going down and, and he's never coming back up. Because he chose. He chose to say no to God. He's a sore loser. That's all he is. So I'm going to tell you, 
I'm going to tell you in the kindest way that I can tell you, and that is that this world and everything that we are part of is bent on dragging you away. We have to determine going forth when we shout, Hallelujah, He is risen, that we are basically saying no to what this world would like us to do. And that's going to come in all kinds of different ways at different times. Temptation to do this or that. If you choose today to follow Jesus, to have his blood on the doorpost of your heart, my friend, you are saying, I'm with him. And then everything that you do thereafter reflects the fact that you are with him and not in this chaotic, sad place. I'm sorry, I went down to Venice Beach this week, and I agree with my brother who was visiting. Just some sad, sad faces. I mean, struggling, not joy. Just sadness. And, and, and my heart... My heart was full of sadness for them. So I don't, know, I don't know if you feel like that, but when you see your friends in trouble, when you hear about difficulties, what, what does that do? When you have the blood of Jesus covering your heart, his mind is in you. You begin to think like him, and you will do like him. So please, let me, let me just end by saying, if you haven't, if you haven't accepted this incredible plan of salvation for yourself personally, I can't end this moment without giving you the opportunity to say yes. I don't need to, to get all emotional about it. You know what your relationship is with God. You know if you're with him or you're not. And I'm giving you this moment just to say, Jesus, I'm with you. Come into my heart just like I took in the bread and the wine. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Take full control of where I go in this world. If that is your desire, then as we continue to hear some music and then at the end, we sing together, Christ the Lord is risen today. You will be able to sing that with new enthusiasm. You know what that word means? Entheos. You are in. You are in. You're in the house. You're in Christ. Enthusiasm. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.